0: Welcome in, everybody. Week 12 of the NFL season done and dusted. Pretty much we've got a pretty meaningless Monday night football to look forward to, unless you're fans of the Steelers or the Colts. I'm sure you're looking forward to it immensely, Um, but the vast majority of games in the books anyway. Let's welcome the boys in. Josh, how are you doing, pal?
2: I'm excellent. For once, I'm actually a happy NFL fan. didn't have to stare into the abyss of the World Cup to bring me some solace and instead just uh, look at the three-and-a-half-ish hours of which I uh, got to spend thinking, is this a dream? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, all good my end, pal.
0: Yeah, so next man I'm going to introduce, he's had that feeling most weeks this season, improving to 10-1 and one now, Steve. Was, was a Sunday night football worth it, pal?
1: Yes, I'm, uh, very tired after staying up to watch the birds last night. Uh, first NFL team this year to get the 10 wins, so definitely worth it, very good game. It's always good to take down the Packers as well. No matter how what, what their record is this year, it still feels like a big scalp taking down the Packers. Um, but yeah, worth it. And uh, um, yeah, definitely uh, worth it when your team moves to 10 wins on the season by week 12. Absolutely.
2: Do you like the way yeah. that he had to put in first team to get to 10 wins this season? You know, just, just had to get that little needle in as well.
0: No, you, you, unfortunately, you know, you can't you can't detect any lies there. So, you know, fair play. Absolutely <laughs> right the believe, believe you me, when our day eventually comes, mate, we will bask in it. So absolutely, you uh, you bask in it, pal. Let's um let's go back, fellas, to Thanksgiving Thursday. Three games obviously as there is every Thanksgiving. Um, started off with what I thought was a cracking game um, one of the only games I actually got to watch in any great deal of detail this week and that was the Bills at the Lions um, really like I say entertaining game in in this one ends up as a 28-25 win to the Bills um, but I've got to say I was really, really, really disappointed by the way that the Lions finished this game um, I think they're Time management and clock management in the last couple of minutes was absolutely awful. Um, Essentially played for the field goal to tie the game, which ultimately they ended up doing so. It was a 51-yard field goal. It was hardly a gimme, but ultimately, yeah, they did manage to get that done. But they left 23 ticks on the clock for Josh Allen and the Bills, and lo and behold, what happens, first play, Josh Allen, 36 yards across the middle to Stefan Diggs, who'd been relatively quiet by his standards um, for most of the game. Um, you know, but essentially already then putting the Bills right on the edge of field goal range. A couple of Josh Allen runs got them a little bit closer. And Tyler Bass kicked a 45-yarder through. Um, pretty much as time expired, there was just about time for a kickoff, but pretty much as time expired. So the Bills ultimately managed to get the win. Um, To me, it just seemed like a bit of a microcosm of the Lion's season. Really competitive, really punchy, but found a way yet again to lose a close game, which I think, like I say, with a little bit more aggression when it really mattered. We've talked enough about Dan Campbell and, you know, genuinely being quite an aggressive coach. I just thought he went really, really negative in this last two minutes. And ultimately, it ended up costing his team. Uh, The second game was the Giants and the Cowboys. Steve two divisional rivals of yours over in the ever so competitive NFC East you said that the Cowboys are the team that probably worry you the most in terms of nipping away at that number one season if the Eagles do slip up um you know 28 points to 7 uh, sorry 28 points to 20 was a shade more comfortable than the final scoreline suggests the Giants putting one on the board um in the last few ticks of the game to to bring the scoreboard to a bit of respectability well, this was just a relatively straightforward win for the Cowboys, wasn't it, mate? And as you said, they, they do look really impressive. A really rounded team, I felt.
1: Yeah, I think um, the that like you said, the game was never really as close as the scoreline suggests. Um, this New York team is starting to fall away a little bit. Um, I think their 7-4 and four record is generous. Um, don't be wrong, they have played some really good football earlier in the season. Um, but they're just not getting so much production on the ground anymore. Um, Gary Brett had have himself a decent day. He had a couple of bright runs. Um, but it, Saquon Barkley had 11 carries for 39 yards. Um, and I wonder if teams have started to sort of scheme it to, to to deal with him. And so if you shut him down, I mentioned it a few times earlier in the season, if he got injured or if, if indeed they can shut him down, any team opposing New York, then how can they answer that? Because you look across their receiving chart and you know the top receivers of this game in terms of the yards they got was Darius Slayton Richie James, Asiah Hodgkins, Chris um, Myrick, uh, Lawrence Cage, or Gary Brightwell, Saquon Barkley like that's a list of, of outside of Darius Slayton not many names that you know your casual NFL fans going to know who they are so um, and, and I think you know whilst Daniel Jones is a, is a decent enough quarterback to keep the a team ticking along I don't necessarily think he's the type to put a put the team on his back and take them to the next level. So I think this was always going to be the giant ceiling. I think they'll still finish with a winning record, and it wouldn't surprise me if they sneak in. You know, I think I think three teams out of the NFC East will make the, the playoffs this year, and we'll come, I'm sure we will come on to the commanders. Um, but they, uh, you know, the, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they do sneak in. Um, but, yeah, the, the Cowboys never really looked phased. Their passing game is 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 excellent. C.D. Lamb had another uh, another great game. We had that catch in the end zone almost. He was almost in, but just wasn't quite in. It was it was like whiskers on the on the um uh, at the back of the end zone. That would have been unbelievable if he'd hauled that in. but yeah, they just got it done, Dak efficient as ever. That's what Dak is, he's just efficient. They they, they kept it closed with a couple of interceptions from Dak. That's what one thing with Dak is he's got a bit of the Joe Burrow about him. He he can throw interceptions and he will turn the ball over. Um, and so they, they they invited New York to come back into the game, but never really uh, materialised. Um, Dallas, easy win at home on Thanksgiving um, in the end, and they moved to 8-3 and, and and are really chomping at the heels of the Eagles because I think if... The Eagles or the Vikings even slip up, then the Cowboys are right there, ready to pounce and, and are ready to take that number one or number two seed. So they're certainly not letting up. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they're, uh, have a look and have a quick look at their schedule and where they go from here. Because um, the NFC is famous, you've got quite an easy schedule. This year. Yeah, look at the next three games. They go Colts, Texans, Jaguars. So you'd probably think that the Cowboys might win all three of those. And if they do, they move to 11 and three. And that's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, insurmountable record there. But imagine, imagine getting to sort of 13 wins on a season and not finishing number one in your division. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you
0: say, the Cowboys... Continuing to look good, and they certainly will keep nipping away should the opportunity present itself. The final Thanksgiving offering was Minnesota hosting New England, and it was a high-scoring affair, surprisingly, possibly considering the Patriots' uh, MO so far this season. But the Vikings win it 33 points to 26 um, a game where New England, Josh, had lots and lots of big plays, lots of explosive plays. You've only got to look down the box score. You know, Ramondre Stevenson, a long reception of 40 yards. Devontae Parker, a long reception of 40 yards. Nelson Aguilar, 34 yards on his long reception. Hunter Henry, 37 on his. Had lots and lots of big pass plays through the air. Matt Jones ends up with 382 yards on the day. Um, but ultimately the Minnesota Vikings probably win this game just because they had the better wide receiver in terms of Justin Jefferson, who just continues to dominate and be a real difference maker for them. He ended up with 139 yards receiving. Adam Thielen, um, nine receptions for him in his complementary role. And TJ Hawkinson, who I think was an excellent pickup for them at the trade deadline. We talked about that at the time. He's added another dimension in the tight end position, hasn't he? Um, So the Vikings back to winning ways, obviously a bit of controversy in this one in terms of, you know, the age old rule of a wide receiver breaking the plane, but obviously, you know, got to complete the catch all the way through the process and all this kind of malarkey, which is really quite stupid, really, considering some of the ones that get ruled as touchdowns and this one being chalked off. Um, but overall, mate, a really good game. You know, for anybody that did stay up late or has caught it afterwards, a really good way to round off what was a decent uh, Thanksgiving slate this year. I thought,
2: yeah, it was uh, for once. All the games were relatively uh, relatively close. You had some potential for upsets, and there were some good matchups with the Patriots and Vikings. It was more of a case of, and this was never straightforward, just because you had the Vikings in prime time, of which is obviously Kirk Cousins' Kryptonite. Um you've got Bill Belichick who can scheme up being able to take out you know one element of your game. He decided to choose the run game, Dalvin Cook only in the end getting 42 yards off his 22 carriers, which meant that essentially Kirk Cousins had to come out in order to win this game, and he did so, as you say, with his connection with Justin Jefferson. And when you look at the other side of the ball, when you look at the Patriots, The the main issue is, you know, you had the odd big play that Matt Jones was able to create. But outside of that, there was precious little, you know, there were only 13 run plays for the Patriots in total. Um, You know, their highest receiver was Devontae Parker with 80 yards off just the four receptions. It was very much a case of, you know, can you bend, not break in terms of, you know, allowing someone to get hot. Only one player got hot during that game. The player's name was Justin Jefferson, as you rightly pointed out. And the Vikings are kind of cashing in on that star power right now because, you know, it was calling for somebody else. It was calling for literally anybody else to step up. Matt Jones actually had a pretty good game. You know, we've said quite, uh, we've both said quite a lot. And also the media at large has said quite a lot about Matt Jones and his regression and his sophomore slump, if you will, with the Patriots this year. Um, definitely didn't see any of that. On Thanksgiving night, I thought that he had a really good game. Probably unlucky to come away with a loss. It was just the fact that they couldn't keep Justin Jefferson quiet. And when you got someone that hot, you keep feeding them the ball. And that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, absolutely. huge win for them as well, considering the absolute beatdown they had against the Cowboys. You know, a back-to-back defeat, it would have all of a sudden had them not looking over the shoulder in terms of the division, but certainly, you know, in in terms of postseason prospects, would have certainly had people really starting to question them. So a really big, important win. Let's get into Sunday, fellas, and we'll whiz through a few of these, because obviously we're now at the stage where a number of these games... For now, more really, than when you're going to draft come the uh, the draft season rolling around. So we'll start with Carolina twenty three, Denver ten. Um, but I'm not going to keep going on about it. Denver got to be the worst or most disappointing team in the league this year. Another absolutely abject display offensively. This is the Denver Broncos um, play, cheat, uh, play chart, fellas. Punt, punt, punt. Field goal. Fumble. Punt. Missed field goal. Punt, punt. punt, punt Punt, turnover on downs. Absolutely abysmal. Absolutely awful. Um, Sam Darnold back at quarterback for the first time this season for Carolina. Their quarterback carousel continues, but they improved to four and eight as Denver dropped to three and eight. Uh Tampa Bay, 17, Cleveland, 23. Me and Joshua just talked about this in length on the Believe and Brick podcast, part of the full 10 Yards Network. So, Steve, I'll come to you just for a word on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just when you thought they'd turn the corner and managed to find a a couple of wins, um, they ultimately stumble across the Cleveland Browns, who, for the first time, believe it or not, my friend, you probably wouldn't have heard this stuff, but for the first time in 74 occasions when the Browns have been down by at least a touchdown in the fourth quarter, 74 times previously, the Browns had never won the game they managed to break that record this weekend against Tom Brady. I also think you want to say something on Denver as well, man. So I'll let you say that, but then a quick word on the books, mate.
1: Yeah, just I mean, just quickly on Denver. It's it's getting to the point now where Wilson is completely unrecognisable. Like, he was never this bad as a quarterback. Like, he, he had his moments, but he was ultimately a... a you know. Most people, if you go back to his time in Seattle, even as his, his last season, most people would have him in the top five quarterbacks of the league. Like he was that good, and yet somehow this season he's he's a different person. He's a completely different quarterback, and he's completely unrecognizable. The um, the Broncos had three points going into the fourth quarter, which is absolutely shocking. And did you see the um, defensive lineman Mike Purcell? Go up to him and they, i think it was in the fourth quarter because obviously the offense was going on the field and getting either three and outs or punt straight away and um and we're, we're causing the defense to go straight back on the field and uh my is walking off the field at one point i think it's in the third and he just turns to russell wilson and screams in his face now i don't know if that's like a, a G up or like a you know come on we've got to get something going or if he's just furious at him um but you they i've, I've heard an interesting point raised about that in in um in in other circles about how like some some quarterbacks wouldn't never get that they would never get that level of disrespect like you know someone like josh allen josh allen's made a couple of errors in the last few weeks that have led to losses no one's screaming in his face because they know what he can do russell wilson in denver has not yet shown anything to prove that he's the man that can get him out of this so yeah it, it's it's completely unrecognizable they're three and eight hack it has to be fired you'd think how can how can hackett survive this this offense is terrible the only saving grace is they've got a really good defense um and the defense is keeping them in games but you know when you're scoring 10 points it's 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 shocking absolutely shocking um but yeah onto onto Tampa Bay and Cleveland this was this was one of my shocks of the week i think you probably agree you know not expecting to beat the, the Bucks, but it was a really good game um i thought there was some some really good plays there there was a catch by um Amari Cooper that was, was wonderful and obviously we have to talk about Njoku's catch as well, uh, which is absolutely excellent. Um, but yeah, this was a this was a game that I wasn't expecting a Cleveland win. I thought Brissett was effective. Um, you know, he's not he's he, brissett's never gonna light the world on fire, but he did what he needed to do. Obviously Chubb had a mega day on the ground, um, got the job done on the ground and and, and the books just didn't have the answer. And the longer it goes on, the more you have to think that this is it. This is this is the curtain call because something's something's tweaked something's not quite there with Brady this year he's not he's not got that same killer instinct you know you look at you look at the Brady in the past and you'd think um you give the ball to um you give the ball to Brady and let him march downfield at the end of a game he's going to win the game and obviously the the Browns did that to the books in this game which is unlike the books and their defense so it's just, it's, it's unlike them. Um, I think, I again, I will continue saying it. I think their change at head coach has had a massive impact. Um, their offensive scheming all game just didn't take advantage of Cleveland's defense, which I'm sure you won't mind me saying has been a bit lackluster this season. Um, it's not looked great in, in large spells, and it shouldn't be hard as a as a team that's got Tom Brady at mm-hmm. the home to be young. Um, to be you know to be dominating that and they didn't so yeah the books fall to five and six the nfc south still doesn't have a a team with a winning record so they are still top of that division but with a five and six record is the nfc house the south 2021 20 nfc east
0: yeah i think it most definitely is and just on the coaching so just a real few couple of concerning things out of the press conference that that todd bowles came out with um questioned at the end of of regulation, why they hadn't called timeouts. The books actually ended up taking timeouts into overtime time with them, which obviously, you know, they can't obviously use, Um, but you know, the books could have got into field goal range at the end of the, of the fourth quarter, but actually, you know, decided against, taking a timeout when it seemed appropriate that they would have done, um, ultimately ended up costing them the chance to run another couple of plays. And Todd his, his quote was, he didn't want to call a timeout because he was worried if they threw an interception, it would allow the Browns time to score. Now, if anyone's coaching that way, particularly with the go-to-quarterback. That's a really, really worrying thing if you, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan to hear something like that. So, yeah, certainly some issues for Tampa. Um, and although I think we still probably expect them to make the postseason, they're very much looking like a one-and-done team once that rolls around, unless something dramatically changes. Uh, but obviously never rule Tom Brady out. Josh, is having a few technical issues, so we'll hope that he can uh, contribute. But he does keep dropping... In and out. Josh has uh, moved house this week, so he's in new surroundings. So the internet probably causing him havoc. But while he's definitely here, as I can see him on the screen, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens falling to the Jacksonville Jaguars 27 28. <laughs> Lovely ballsy Doug Pederson call to go for two to win the game at I the death. And, um, you know, I've got to say, Trevor Lawrence, his best game as a pro, I'm going to say, Josh, what do you reckon?
2: oh absolutely he looks like he's got some chemistry with his wide receivers every time he throws the ball he seems to actually uh have someone to send it to and it's something of which even earlier on this season was you know very much not the case he ended up throwing 321 yards three touchdowns 29 or 37 i don't think he's actually had a better stat line whilst in the nfl so something's obviously working um, and against the Ravens side that continues to disappoint, you know they've they've got a good record. They're seven and four after this, but again, this is another Ravens season where you expect them to go to the next level, and you expect them to dominate. You know, and I'm not just talking over the course of a season. You can you can go you, you can go ten and zero for example, and you know win everyone by one. Um, but you know the they've got one of the easiest schedules going and they're making it look incredibly difficult at the moment. Um, and this being obviously another example, they, they got out to a early lead and then they let the Jaguars back into it. The Jaguars only scored in the second and fourth quarters and they had to score 18 in order to actually win the game. So, you know, you look at that and you think that the Ravens are finding it difficult to actually race away from teams. They can't seem to get out from under themselves. And it's because, once again, it continues to be the Lamar Jackson show. And I've I've been hurled rocks on this podcast and plenty of other message boards and WhatsApp chats and what have you for for, you know, sort of playing him down because, obviously, he's a very athletic quarterback, you know, if you wish to call him a quarterback. But, you know, once again, 16 off 32 for 254 yards. You know, this is supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league and you're playing a Jags defense. The Jags defense is not a great defense. I think that we can all say that, you know, they're... You know, they're functional, but they're definitely not restricting a good quarterback to those figures. Um, You know, 50% completion rate. And, you know, in terms of rushing yards, again, Lamar Jackson leading it with 14 carries off 89 yards. Do the Ravens have anybody else apart from obviously Mark Andrews? Um, It's just not uh, you, you just can't see it. And they constantly allow themselves to get into these incredibly tough scrapes. And they're going to lose some. And that's what's happened here against the Jags.
0: Steve, just in terms of Lamar Jackson, put yourself in the Baltimore Ravens front office for a moment. Obviously a huge decision coming up. You know, I think it seems inevitable that they're going to pay him. But how much do you pay him? Because as Josh has just said there, you know, Outside of Mark Andrews, who's a consistent producer, you know, the wide receiver room has not produced consistently for Baltimore for years now. Um, You know, and you've only got to look at the people that were making receptions this week. Josh Oliver, Demarcus Robinson, you know, Deshaun Jackson's been brought in, which probably tells you all that you need to know, um, you know, as a late sort of season addition. The running game, although obviously normally highlighted by Lamar, there's been, you know, great, expectations and hope for J.K. Dobbins, but he can't seemingly avoid picking up injuries. Gus Edwards has also had a significant injury. Gus the bus, you know, he's back. But again, you know, just working his way back in slowly. It feels as though the Ravens have built everything around this Lamar Jackson-style offence, And we're obviously now at the end of year five, so it's now either put up or shut up in terms of paying him. What do you do if you're in that front office? Because it just feels as though they're going to cripple the roster to suit the starter quarterback play. And if teams can get a handle on it, which you know, there's now five years worth of game film on him, you know, does it make the ravens actually quite easy to game plan for?
1: I mean, interestingly chris chris collins was on the broadcast last night in the sunday night football uh in the eagles game said something quite interesting about the 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 role of a modern day rushing quarterback not necessarily a rushing quarterback but a quarterback that has legs that can at least make things happen on the ground as well as through the air and and he said he asked the question of have we reached the tipping point now where in the modern day nfl you have to have a quarterback that can do both now you don't have to have lamar who is incredibly athletic and is really agile and can accelerate straight up field north south in in you know in a click of a finger because he's excellent at doing that and there's no one better in the league at doing that than him but you at least have to have someone that can do something with the legs you look around the league you look at the best quarterbacks patrick mahomes josh allen um you know those guys russell wilson you know before obviously he went to denver um you know guys like that again uh, joe burrow as well i'd say put in that conversation uh, are guys that can move with their legs they're not you know they're not going to they're not going to do Lamar Jackson they're not going to take off downfield at a you know 4 3 speed but they can make plays with their legs and they had an interesting discussion about how is that is that something that you have to have now to win the NFL and I think I think personally I think you do I think you, ha- you the days of the old stand-up point and click quarterback are gone you know the, the Peyton Mannings the to extent Aaron Rodgers the you know those types of guys that will stand and throw accurate balls but can't really do much on the ground are gone because teams can scheme for that because you know that no he's not going to move that, that quarterback's not going to move so you don't have to keep a linebacker as a gunner to hit him if he if he takes off out of the pocket so that's what Lamar carries and that's what he is so good at doing is that you know you have to always be aware of he because he can throw the ball as well let's not forget that the pass he had downfield to Deshaun Jackson was unbelievable um obviously Deshaun Jackson is 35 years old and has no no right to be going down the field that quick anymore I thought his legs had long gone but you know wonderful wonderful pass and he can he can throw a deep ball he's a good thrower he obviously because he's so good with his legs a lot of people forget how good his arm is the problem is, is that the Ravens have forced themselves into a corner now because they've got a choice in this the season they either pay him and they're going to have to pay him an absolute fortune or they move on and take a uh, take a risk take a flyer on someone either a, a veteran to get them through the next few seasons so they can draft someone or they move up to draft like like San Francisco did um with Trey Um now looking at the average quarterback contracts at the moment Aaron Rodgers obviously is just tipping over $50 million Russell Wilson's average year is $49 million. But the one that sticks out that Lamar will be looking at is Kyler Murray's. Kyler Murray's is just over $46 million a year. Uh, Lamar's not taking anything less than that. Lamar's far better than Kyler Murray. I think we can all agree on that. Lamar's not taking anything less than that. So if if you are the Baltimore Ravens front office, are you paying Lamar Jackson, let's say, $48 million a year for the next five seasons, four or five seasons? Are you paying him $48 million a year and then losing – inevitably some of the money that you've then ploughed into that defense because that's where the money is at the moment. That defense is very, very good when they're all healthy. You know, guys like Marcus Williams, who they've recently brought in, you know, that's the type of deal that they're going to have to stop doing when Lamar gets that monster contract. But we've seen it. You know, if, if if Lamar is good enough and the coach is good enough, you know, I think we all believe in John Harbour. John is a good coach. He's been around the league a long time. I think we can all agree on that. Um, they have to try and transform this team into something like the Chiefs the Chiefs have got um, Patrick Mahomes on a $45 million a year average contract, but they're still surrounding him with talent and he's still winning games and they're still con- you know, um, they're still competing in the highest level and going to the championship game every year. That's what the Ravens need to be. And they have to ask themselves, is Lamar Jackson the guy? Can we do that? Or do we need to roll the dice again? For, my, for what it's worth, I think he is. I think you, you take that deal. They probably should have done it a year ago. They've, they've shot themselves in the foot because they're going to have to pay him more now. But I think he is. I think you do it. You can see you see what you've got with him. They're still seven and four. It's not an awful record. I think you roll the dice. You go with him, um, and and you see what you can do. Um, I think you could be in a far worse situation. There's teams around the, around this league that would kill for Lamar Jackson. A lot of teams. Um, but yeah, I would I would pay him.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do. I think to they they will pay him. Um, but like I say, I think they they do need to evaluate what weapons they're putting around him um, because I think that's, that's for me where they've probably let him down a little bit, like I say, certainly in terms of the wide receiver position in particular. Uh, you mentioned Kyler Murray, so it seems like a nice way to pivot across to the Chargers and Cardinals. Um, again, that the Cardinals had several chances to put away, um, but ultimately didn't. Look at Arizona's fourth quarter offense here, fellas. Three and out, eight yards, punt. Three and out, five yards punt. Three and out, punt, after three yards gained. Um, you know, three possessions, three opportunities when they were in front. Um, they were in front, of course, by seven points. And we mentioned a gutsy and ballsy Doug Pederson call. We got a gutsy and ballsy Brandon Stade. He called in We with the um, pass play to Gerald Everett to round this one off. Josh, I know you're Carla Murray's biggest fan. Um so it must have been must have been lovely for you to see him on the uh, the losing side of this one, mate. Twenty-four-twenty-five for the charges. They improved to six and five. Um it's starting to look like a long, long shot for the Cardinals to get anywhere near the postseason, mate, although officially they'll still be in the hunt.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't know about lovely as much as expected. Um the yeah, it's it, it's one of those. These are two teams of disappointed compared to the start of the season so you looked at this game as a this one was a real mirror test I think for both teams as to whether or not they were serious about still being in the hunt, still looking positively, still looking at the next you know, still looking beyond and realistically neither team seemed to want to actually pick up the gauntlet um, for large swathes of this game and It's you look at the um, you look at the player stats, for example, and it it tells its own story. You know, the Chargers are searching for some form of consistency at the moment. Um, They couldn't get anything going on the ground and receiving. It's just a case of throwing to whoever will catch it. And it's usually for rather small gains unless you're DeAndre Carter or Josh Palmer. These are not names that you would have thought of at the start of the season. When it comes to the Cardinals, they're suddenly riding on James Connor. You know, James Connor getting 120 yards off 25 touches in a Kyler Murray offense. That says a lot about the team that you currently are. You would not have thought that James Connor would be putting up those stats, you know, at the start of the season for this Cardinals offense. And it's because they're devoid of ideas. You know, Marquise Brown isn't exactly contributing all that much. Um, You know, the names underneath DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown in terms of the receiving, just, you know, know, it's all flattering to deceive. Um, And even then, you're not doing much flattery. So you kind of, this is a very similar situation to what I've just spoken about in terms of the Ravens, where you've got a quarterback that has been asked to do a hell of a lot, but realistically is not being put in a position to do it and in Kyler's position you know whereas I think that Lamar Jackson can carry a team on his back you know um Kyler Murray can't do that really um unless the luck is there I felt like he got incredibly lucky last season with a couple of the victories that he got he's not getting that this year and uh you know what? I was going to bring this up, but Steve's put it in the private chat. Do you want to bring up this stat, mate? Because no, you do
1: it. You, you take it away because it's phenomenal.
2: It is phenomenal. So Call of Duty Warzone 2 came out, what, about a month ago, I want to say? Something like it's got to be, It's got to be a few weeks, at least. Kyler Murray has not won a game since that game was released. When you consider all the crap that was said at the start of the season about Kyler Murray having to do more homework, being part of his contract. And, you know, the whole jokes about, you know, whenever there's a double XP weekend, Kyler Murray loses. I think he got over that hurdle. I think he did win a game with double XP um, weekend uh, in there this season. So he got over that one, but he's not got over this one yet. Since Warzone 2 come, has come out, he has not won a game yet. So it's going to be an interesting one to, to look out for this side of Christmas for sure.
0: Yeah, we'll see whether he can uh, put any more wins on the board in the coming weeks. The Chiefs improve their record up now to 9-2. and two. Pretty routine win over the Rams, obviously led by Bryce Perkins with all of the injuries that they've got going off there. Um, so, yeah, as expected, the Chiefs 26, Rams 10. Don't think we need to say much on that one. Don't need to say much either on Miami 30, Houston 15. It was 30-0 by the time the uh, Texans actually put points on the board. And by that stage, the Dolphins had even put Tua Tonga by a lower, onto the bench just to wrap him up in cotton wool. Um, so, yeah, the Dolphins continue to set the pace in the AFC East at 8-3. Uh, the Texans seem more and more nailed on for the number one overall pick as each week goes by. Uh, we will talk a little bit, feathers, though, about the New York Jets, 31, the Chicago Bears, 10. I'm actually going to say too much on the Bears, particularly with Trevor Simeon in at um, quarterback, which was obviously never going to be particularly exciting. And Trevor Simeon's stat line of 14 for 25 for 179 yards, one TD, one pick, would suggest you got exactly what you expected. What I do want to talk about, though, Steve, is Mike White, because obviously that was big news in the week. Zach Wilson benched. Zach Wilson not playing well. Zach Wilson not exactly endearing himself to the media in post-match press conferences. And lo and behold, Mike White walks out there, 22 of 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. All of a sudden, this Jets offense looked totally different. These wide receivers that I talked about last week, not getting the ball enough. Garrett Wilson went for 95 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Elijah Moore, 64 yards. Now, there were some big explosive plays all over the field. And all of a sudden, have the Jets actually kicked in a bit of a postseason sprint here because that changing quarterback seems to really be what the team needed. Yes, take the opposition into account a little bit, but this Jets team certainly seems talented enough to win with the right QB. And maybe Mike White is that guy compared to Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know Mike White had one shot to, to give him, you know, to make a name for himself this season. He's been handed the keys to the car and in uh, in week twelve, and boy, did he put down a, a marker! Like twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred fifteen yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, only one sack, rating of one hundred and forty-nine point three. Like he was excellent, he was absolutely superb. And um, this is what the this is the t- type of consistent quarterback play that the Jets have been looking for all season. And Zach Wilson's not consistent enough. Um, and some of the things that Wilson said in his press conference last week just sort of worried me a little bit. He, he seemed very reluctant to take any sort of um, responsibility. He seemed. you seemed not to not to be thinking. Or oh, is, is it? You know, should the defense be annoyed at you for, for you know for keeping them on the field all the time? And he said no. And it was like you you you're meant to be the leader of this team. Like you you know you should be humble and you should be taking that on your chin and looking at how you can improve. And I just you know from what I, I don't see him in training. I don't know what he's like, but he he, he seems to me like he's not that fussed. Um, and you know, is it going to be another busted New York Jets quarterback again? But luckily, they seem to have a guy in the building that's pretty good. Um, you know, are we ready to beat Mike White, the the franchise quarterback of the Jets? Probably not. But he, he played well enough yesterday that you definitely, definitely start him again next week. I think. You know, I don't, I don't see any reason why the the Jets go back to Zach Wilson next week. Why would you do that? Um, and you know, the the question now has to be asked is as to you know, who is the biggest threat to the Bills in the East? Is it the Dolphins or is it the Jets? Because the Jets are only one game behind the other two who are both eight and three. Um, And the Jets look like, you know, look like a, 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 dare I say, like a polished team. Um, And they've got some difficult games though. Their next two games are away at the Vikings and away at the Bills. You know, that's a a tough couple of road games you've got there. Um, And then they've got a home game against the Lions who always give up a, a, a fight. So... They've, they've not got an easy way, easy schedule to see out the rest of the season, but they're definitely playing well enough. And like you said, some of these offensive weapons that Garrett Wilson had himself a day. Um, they look look like look like a much more polished team. And dare I say it, I think the Jets could be on their way to the playoffs for the first time in what is it eleven years or something. Um and, you know they'll definitely be in the question for that sort of seven, seven, six or seven seed. I don't think they'll win the division. I think they'll go to one of the other two. But yeah ride the Mike White train and see how far it can take you because Zach Wilson's not taking you there.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a a really telling call when they actually named Mike White rather than Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco could have been the, you know, let's punish Zach Wilson for a week and we'll just plug and play Joe. Um, But I think the fact that they went with Mike White almost suggests that if what happened this weekend happened, I he had a really good game, he's somebody then that they would potentially, as you just said there, turn the keys over to and say, right, you know, you're now the guy that's going to see us through to the end of the season. Um, you know, and we'll see if it pay, uh, pays dividends in the end, but certainly a very, very encouraging start. Um, San Francisco 13, the New Orleans Saints, nothing. Oh, I think it's terrible when, when you get a goose egg on the board. Um, But I think San Francisco obviously got a fairly decent defence. Jimmy Garoppolo with a typical Jimmy Garoppolo kind of stat line Um, and there's a typical 49ers box score, to be honest, with carries mixed around between Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, um, Brandon Ayuk, um, you know, the leading receiver... You know, efficient, not exactly spectacular, um, but obviously with other results, which we'll come on to shortly, Move San Francisco for the first time in seemingly a very long time to the top of that division, um, and the Saints dropped to four and eight, and yeah, big problems ahead for the Saints because not a lot of cap room, as we know, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, and plenty of holes and question marks that they need to find answers to. Um, Battle of the wildcard teams in the NFC, or certainly teams in the wildcard race, Josh. The Commanders and the Falcons. The Commanders have seemingly come out of nowhere these last few weeks with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. They improved to seven and five. The Falcons dropped to five and seven. Um, you know, all of a sudden, and we had this a couple of years ago, didn't we, with with Taylor Heineke. It feels like a bit of a field good story that he's come in re-galvanised the team. They've obviously gone on and won a bunch of games. I don't think it's necessarily because of his particular (laughs) style. Exactly, yeah. If you look at Taylor Heineke in terms of his numbers, it's nothing that jumps off the page, but six of the last seven games they've now won, and that can't be a coincidence. This guy just finds a way to get the team over the line, helped, of course, by Brian Robinson, who, who seemingly has been an excellent selection for them in the draft process. Um, you know, but this Washington team, mate, good defense, doing enough on offense, chances of them making a, a wild card run, you feel?
2: We are living in a simulation of Madden. There is a bad Madden player out there who is playing on rookie mode with the Washington commanders <laughs> and is finding ways to win whilst playing terribly. There is there is no other answer. Um, yeah realistically this is down to their defense isn't it if you hold a team down to 13 points and you're going to be able to make good things happen for yourself you know taylor heineke as you say was not the reason why they won yesterday 14 of 23 for 138 yards yes he has the two touchdowns but let's focus on that first figure first if you're throwing for 138 yards usually bad things happen just not in this case um, Marcus Mariota only completed one extra pass and only for an extra 30 yards. So that will show you that passing just was not on the table yesterday. Um, you, you know, you look at some of their everywhere. Obviously, they've got some good defensive players, which was something of which was hyped up last year and then it waned a little bit and then it was kind of reminded at the start of this season and then it waned and now it's coming back you got chase young coming back soon as well you know that's important to note especially as we come down the stretch but you know brian robinson jr had a day you know he rushed for over 100 yards yesterday and that seemed to be the uh that that seemed to be the the icing on the cake for the commanders the fact that they were able to you know stamp their authority that way and realistically the falcons so they obviously they had a really good run didn't they they got a few wins on the bounce and were starting to feel themselves they've seemingly lost their way a little bit is probably the best way to describe it um because they just can't seem to get much of anything going consistently at the moment uh, you know, and they're they're not playing situational football quite as well, and you can tell tell that in the time of possession. You know, they're not getting they're not getting 27 minutes um when they are not as good of a defense I'm sorry, as good of an offense um either. So, you know, you would have thought that they would have lent on the run game a bit more, it just didn't seem to happen, they couldn't get it going. Um 167 yards rushing, but it was rather fractured across um, Old Year, Patterson, and Mariota, which shows it's just not an effective run game. Um, As for the commanders and a playoff run, I, I just come back to the fact that, yes, they've won. I'm now just trying to quickly blitz as to who they've beaten recently. Um, so 6-7. They've obviously beaten the Eagles. That was a massive scalp. Uh, The Vikings took them down. They've scraped past the Colts, scraped past the Packers. They do seem to be doing enough on the defensive side. Um, They've got the Giants twice coming up. That's going to be... I mean, mean, that's basically... This is their season. This next fortnight is their season. If they can somehow cause an upset against the Giants twice... Then yeah, obviously they sort of you know start to do a switcheroo on the Giants, but I'm not one to bet on them at the moment.
0: Yeah, interesting little quirk of the schedule is, and it? it's actually over the next three weeks because the, bo- uh, the oh, of course, yeah, they're still yet to have their bye week. They get it all the way in week fourteen, which just seems absolutely crazy, doesn't it? Week fourteen. Um, but, yeah, so at the Giants' bye week, then host the Giants. I actually think the, the Commanders match up really well against the Giants, to be honest. I think they will shut down the run game, um, and I don't think they'll need to score a ton of points. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Commanders sweep that series. Um, and if they do, Oof, they'll claim the nine and five, and then they really will be in business. Um, with any talk of the postseason. Um, obviously, that division, <laughs> as we've talked about, you know, even with that record, they're still probably going to only be looking at a wild card, which is absolutely crazy and shows the strength of the Eagles and the Cowboys. A um, couple of other games to whiz through that we haven't touched on, then, fellas. Um, probably the big one in the early window was the Bengals and Titans. Um, The Bengals getting this one 20 points to 16. Big win on the road. Um, The Titans have done enough in recent weeks without really blowing anybody away. Um, But in this one, again, similar to what we've talked about with with the Giants, just if you can shut Derrick Henry down when you play the Titans, in general terms, you come out on the end of a pretty decent day. Derrick Henry's stat line in this one, fellas, just in terms of his rushing at least, was 17 attempts for 38 yards. He had a really long reception through the air. He got 69 yards in one play through the air. But obviously, you know, this this Tennessee team, Steve, is built on lots and lots of Derrick Henry, lots and lots of running, lots of controlling the ball in terms of time and possession and all of those type of things. Um, but the Bengals did a really nice job on him here defensively. Um, and, you know, ultimately... If you'd have been Tennessee heading into this one and said you could have held the Bengals to twenty points, you'd have probably felt quite good about your chances. So probably wasn't the way that you'd have expected Cincinnati to get this one done. Um, you know, but ultimately considering some of the players that they were missing and everything as well, a really really important and huge win, particularly with the Ravens losing as well. Um, actually, now moves uh, the Bengals to the top of the AFC North.
1: Yeah, massive win for massive win for Cincinnati. Um, uh, probably a win that they weren't were maybe expecting at the start of the season. I think Tennessee have been quietly going about their business and they were seven, you know, they were going into this game. And they were seven and three. And a lot of people were like, Oh, hang on, Tennessee are seven and three. I didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, and, then, and they've just quietly gone about their business. And then they, this was, a, this was one of the shocks of the week for me, not because since, uh, Cincinnati are bad, far from it, just because I thought it was a bit of a mismatch. I thought that the, um, the Tennessee, um, the Tennessee rush attack is so good with Henry. Um, and the Cincinnati rush defense wouldn't be able to handle them, and then vice versa. The the Tennessee one of the Tennessee strengths is their rush defense. Their rush defense is excellent. Um, and you know Cincinnati previously have had success on the ground with um, you know with their, Joe Mixon getting five five touchdowns in a single game. Um, now he didn't take a snap this week, so um, obviously he's he's not in the game. But um, yeah, just just uh, the the. It was a close one. It was a shootout. The Bengals managed to come away with it. What's really impressive about the Bengals at the moment is that they're winning without some of their key players. You know, um, reinforcements are on the way because Jamar Chase is now being activated and he is expected to play this coming week, uh, which is a massive, massive um, boost for the Bengals. They're getting it done without him. T. Higgins had himself an absolute game. Um, you know, I've read into some of the receptions that he had and, and even the, You know, some of the um, analysts saying that the, the coverage from the cornerbacks... Tennessee couldn't have been much better, but T. Higgins just made the impossible catches and just, just played out of his skin. He had seven receptions, 114 yards, one touchdown. He had himself a day. Um, and they managed to do all of that without without Jamar Chase, you know. Um, so they've got him coming back. This Bengals team is heating up at just the right point, just the right time of the season, going into the next sort of six weeks. Um, I wrote them off at the start, and I've definitely got to eat humble pie because they are, they are heating up right at the right time. They're coming good with the Ravens losing they're now they're now even seven and four with the Ravens. And I think if you if if they went down to a shootout between the two of them, I think right now I'd probably back Cincinnati. Um they look like the slightly better team. Have they got enough to beat the the Titans of the of the F C in the the Titans <laughs> the that as in the best teams in the F C and the likes of the Chiefs and the Bills, I'm not so sure. But they've done it before. They can definitely do it again.
0: Yeah, most definitely, mate. Most definitely, Josh. One of the um, we'll we'll leave Sunday night football till the end. So let's talk about the game that threw up the most points on the weekend, um, and that was the Raiders forty, the Seahawks thirty-four. Has some of the gloss started to come off this Seattle team? That's a couple of defeats now in the in the last couple of games. Um, obviously went all the way to overtime. It was a back and forth affair. The lead changed hands several occasions. Ultimately, he's won with an 86 yards, Josh Jacobs rush in overtime. Um, an unbelievable way to, to end a game. Um, you know, on the third possession after the Raiders had had the ball first in overtime and missed a field goal. Um, but, you know, Seattle couldn't do anything when they possessed the ball, but Josh Jacobs, his stat line in this one made to finish it. Obviously, Boosted massively by that 86-yarder, but he ended up with 229 yards rushing on the day. Pretty phenomenal effort from him. Um, but yeah, like I say, mate, has has some of the gloss started to come off this Seattle offence? Kenneth Walker was a bit of a darling for a few weeks, wasn't he? But I just told you what Josh Jacobs ended up with. Yeah, Kenneth Walker found the end zone twice, but he also only plundered his way to 26 yards from 14 carries with a longer 14. So that tells you all you need to know in terms of how effective or ineffective he was. For much of the day, um, you know, can Seattle get back on back on, on track and, and actually make a run for the wild card, um, or do you think, like I say, mate, it's just going to spiral downwards from here?
2: I think that the Seahawks, I wouldn't say this says a lot about the Seahawks, I'd say this says more about the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have silently started to crawl their way back from the abyss, um, you know, the last couple of games, you know, especially their defense, you know, their rush defense has really come on since that really harrowing loss to the Colts where Jonathan Taylor, you know, found his form again and sort of left the Raiders to pick up the pieces. Since then, they've not allowed a team to go above 100 yards rushing. And that was kind of the the key here to being able to limit um, to be able to limit Seattle's creativity towards the end. You know, let's let's not get it twisted. The Seahawks still scored 34 points there. You know, they kept it close against the Bucks in Germany. You know, the fact that it's a foreign game always means it's a little bit of a mulligan. Um, beat the Cardinals by 10, beat the Giants by 14, beat the Chargers by 14 before then. You know, this is... This is just a little blip, I would say, in terms of the Seahawks, and I still think that they're having a massive season, especially compared to expectation. I don't think anybody assumed that they would be in this position at all. Um, But, you know, turning back onto the Raiders, this was about two players in particular, alongside their rush defense. It was about two particular players on offense having tremendous clutch days. One being Josh Jacobs, as you say, with over 200 yards rushing, including that monster one at the end, and the other being Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. who was able to come up clutch on more than one occasion when it mattered to keep the Raiders in the conversation. If Devontae Adams, if it's not Devontae Adams, it's just a standard B-grade B, B grade, uh, wide receiver, they don't get into overtime at all. Uh, The fact that he was able to do what he did. He only got 74 yards receiving, but they were an important 74 yards. And that combined with Josh Jacobs just being able to pound it on the ground, helped the Raiders get over it. Maybe they're finding an identity with that. That plus their rush stuffing seems to be getting them over the line now. And maybe we'll be seeing more of that from the Raiders as they look to salvage something from this year.
0: Yeah, it's took a long time for them to warm up, but like you say, maybe they are saving Josh McDaniels' his job um, ahead of next season. Uh, we've left it till last, Steve, if you were up till the early hours, so it only feels right to give you the final segment of the podcast. Philadelphia 40, Green Bay 33, 500 total yards of offence for the Eagles. Um, makes you wonder how it was so close in the end in terms of the scoreboard, mate, but maybe it's one of those games that often you know, is the case that the scoreboard makes it look and feel closer than it was. But talk us through Mike, because like I say, certainly from a neutral perspective, always good when there's 73 points on the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, if you bet on the over last night, you had the over. The over was 46.5 points, and they had that by halftime, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because the (laughs) halftime score was 27-20. So if you bet on the over, you were pretty pretty happy last night. Um, But yeah, really good game, really entertaining game. The Eagles were 13-zip up with six minutes. That's how quick the... um, uh it all it all happened to start with and then the, the packers answered with two straight drives and and it was 14-13 before the first half first quarter had even finished. It was a wild game. It was just so back and forth. But um without trying to get too high of the ball this is the best I've seen German Hurts play. He was excellent last night he, on his feet he is such such a weapon. He's so understated how good he is on his feet and his ability to to duck and run but also his ability to take a hit as well he's not scared of, of taking a hit if he needs to um he was really good and he's it, it, he's improved so much with his arm I'd be intrigued to see some to speak to some of our college guys who, who may have scouted him back when he was at Alabama um and see if if they saw this progression in his game because he's improved year on year and he's, he's I think personally he's the he's the most improved player this year he's been so good compared to last year um his his touchdown pass to Quez Watkins is a standout it's an absolutely wonderful pass to the corner of the end zone um but yeah the Eagles just got the job done the, the Packers rush defense is shocking as you can see from the Eagles put up 363 rushing yards Jalen Hurts at a franchise record of 157 yards on the ground and Miles Sanders also had 143 yards on the ground as well so two rushes <laughs> with over 140 yards is a pretty impressive display um And it was just a really sort of impressive performance. Um, The defence, you know, it's a little alarming, but some of those were short fields. There was a fourth and one where the QB sneak didn't get in and it gave the Green Bay Packers the ball at like the the Eagles 30 or something. It was a really, really short field, which they converted their second touchdown on. So a couple of situations like that. But also Aaron Rodgers exited the game um, in the third quarter due to a rib injury uh, and never came back. Um, and obviously there's been all this stuff this week about his thumb and about his broken thumb and about how it's been affecting him and watching him in the third quarter, he was in pain you could tell when he was throwing the ball, he was in pain so he actually came, came out and Jordan Love absolutely lit it up he had one drive on the field and I was like, where's this Jordan Love been? this is the Jordan Love that the Green Bay Packers um drafted in 2019 um but yeah he, he he was great and um christian watson's got some got some speed let me tell you that he absolutely scarped on the field for a 63 yard touchdown in the third but yeah good game um i'm just glad to see the eagles take down the packers because they've been a thorn on our side for a while and that was the big sort of game i had on the schedule looking forward to thinking this could be a real statement on our season um and we we host the titans next week which is a different type of challenge so yeah, really good game. Um, I think the Eagles are proving, after a couple of rocky weeks, the Eagles are proving that they're definitely the real deal and they're still up there in the conversation for the Super Bowl this year.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Just finish, Josh, on the, the Packers side of it. Steve's just mentioned there Aaron Rodgers coming out. Obviously, like you say, it's come out that he's been dealing with his thumb injury. I'm to question why that never seemed he made its way to the injury report. But that's a different matter for a different day. Um, but... Obviously, the question will be asked now, is this the time to now just start Jordan Love? Ultimately, when they made that call, it was for the future. We didn't know how long the future would be in terms of, you know would it be starting sooner rather than later, or was it a long-term project? It seems now, in what is surely now a lost season, with the Packers now dropping all the way to four and eight, that this is now the ideal time to sit Aaron Rodgers and say to Jordan Love, you are now getting the next five games or six games, or however many games there is left to end the season. And let's see what you've got. Let's see you develop. Let's see you run this offense. Let's see you win some real, you know, NFL snaps. As Steve said, he came on yesterday and lit it up. Obviously he's had opportunities to start the odd game here and there, and it hasn't really worked out, but this is surely the time now to sit Aaron Rodgers, whether he, you know, whether it's the thumb, whether it's the ribs, whatever the case may be, surely this is the only move that Green Bay can make now at this stage of the season, you would feel.
2: So I'm just trying... Right, so Rogers signed a three-year deal back in March, which means that he would still be able to come back in um, next season onwards. It's all right. The only reasons to why I bring that up is, do you want to be the person that rings up Aaron Rodgers and says that that's what's going to happen? Because I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers' ego even comprehending the message that, you know, a thumb injury is going to put him down for the next five games or so, and they're going to test out, you know, his replacement. Um, obviously, in terms of looking at it black and white, it makes a lot of sense. I actually think that Rodgers should walk into that good night anyway. I don't think the team's going to be how he wants it to be. I don't think that anyone would be clamoring up to get him if he was to move away now. Um, And, you know, he does seem to have lost that spark. Maybe the injury is uh, a little more or maybe a little less and he's making it a little more. Um, You know, you can read a lot into that. But let's face it, Rodgers has not looked himself this year. Um, and the team seems to want to move away from him. They seem more trapped with him than anything else. So it's a question of, if they are willing to do that, make the call. But if you make the call, there's no going back.
0: Uh, yeah, and it's probably a little bit like we were saying earlier, Steve, about Lamar Jackson and teams being backed into a corner. And that feels very much what the situation is with Green Bay. The only out they've potentially got, and that's even then, swallowing sort of 24 million in terms of dead cap is at the end of next season, you know, they're not going to make the cut this season, at the end of this season. If they do, you're talking about 99 million in terms of a dead cap Um So that's obviously not going to happen, um, you know, but like I say, ultimately it just feels as though this is an ideal opportunity to at least blood Jordan Love and give him some game experience. You know, you might be looking at it as a, 2024 option. Have we got you know the guy on the roster that can replace Aaron Rodgers in the long term? Um, so surely this is the move they've got to make, isn't it? Luke?
1: I mean, the interesting take I heard last night during the game was was why don't you IR Aaron Rodgers? You know, put him on IR. Say, look, Aaron, we're going to put you on IR. You're clearly struggling at the moment. Let's just put you on IR um, with the thumb slash ribs, and then let Jordan Love steer the ship for the next six weeks. Um, see what you've got in Jordan Love. Give him an extended run in the team. He had, he's been having snaps with the ones anyway because apparently Rogers is not practicing on Wednesdays at the moment. I think, again, due to his stomach. So he's been having snaps with the ones in practice anyway. So let him steer the ship. Let him see what he can do. Let's see what you've got in Jordan Love now before you have to give him another contract anyway. And then that might play for pick position in the draft, play for draft position. If you can get yourself, I don't know, a, a top 10 draft pick or something, then great. At the moment, if, if the season ended today, they'd be picking nine. I cannot remember the last time Green Bay didn't pick in the 25 onward category like you know that would be outrageous for them to be picking number nine do that and then say to Aaron Rodgers look you're going to come back next season we're all into for you to come back next week. that's fine we're going to get a good draft pick and we promise we're not going to spend it on a quarterback I promise this time (laughs) and then they they can pick up an offensive weapon pick up the top receiver in the draft that you clearly need or an offensive lineman or whoever because they've got they've got really good running backs their offensive line is good when healthy you know they just clearly need some different Make as a receiver. Do that. Bring him back. See what happens next season. If it still doesn't work next season, then you take the hit and you get rid of him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me though if he retires. It really wouldn't. Something's different this year. It's the same. It's the same with Wilson and 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 even to an extent Brady. Something's different this year, and it's just not quite there anymore. And does he have it in him for another shot at a title? Where, where actually his stock's gone down rather than up. Aaron Rodgers' stock was highest at the end of this season, just gone. If he was going to move, that was the season he had to do it. He, why did, he didn't go to Denver. Hackett was obviously the 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 dangle of the carrot over, you know, come come to come to Denver, Aaron. We've got your cut off risk in Nathaniel Hackett. That didn't work. He's not going to leave because no one's going to take him, not on that monster contract. I'm, oh, well, this is the NFL. I'm, this, 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 we forget about some of the GMs in the NFL. Someone would take him. Someone would absolutely trade for him, but he's not going to win a a championship anywhere else. I don't think a QB needy team would take him and plug him in and then straight away be a contender. So that's what I think they should do. I think that would be a sensible option, but who knows? This is Aaron Rodgers. Nothing's ever sensible.
0: Yeah, like you say, it does feel like the end of an era, doesn't it? And like you, you we've said this a few times, haven't we? Like you say, not just Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady struggling this year, Um, Russell Wilson, that move hasn't worked, has it whatsoever. Um so yeah, like you say, real, real changing of the guard. As we said, there is one game left this week, Monday night football, Steelers and Colts. So good luck to anybody staying up to watch that. And then we kick off again Thursday night, it is a huge one. Patriots and Bills, um, with everything that's going on in that division, it is a really, really important matchup. Some interesting games as well in the early window on Sunday um Jets and Vikings that's a good one Eagles Titans can the Titans get back to form or will the Eagles continue their march and their dominance um I've got to mention it Deshaun Watson he's back playing on Sunday as he takes the Browns to Houston in the I
1: actually I was just quickly going to ask you guys we can't we can't not mention it because he has officially been activated he is now on the roster um putting, as difficult as it is putting all the off field stuff away aside on a purely footballing level, are you excited to see him? I, heard, I read yesterday that it's 700 days since he played in the NFL. 700 days since he played. Like, are you looking forward to it? Like, is is, this, is is do you think you are a quarterback away from competing?
2: No, I don't think we're a quarterback away at the moment. But if you're asking me if I'm excited to see as to what we've sold our soul for and therefore actually be able to sign a receipt then, yeah, you know, I'd actually quite like to see as to what all the fuss is about. Because, like you say, 700 days later, I've kind of forgotten.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: Yeah, no, it will be, it will be. you know, look, it, it is exciting from a purely footballing perspective. Oh. You know, I mean, shout out to Jacoby Brissett, who I think has performed well above anybody's expectations. Great to see him go out with a win. This week, um, I'm sure he'll get another gig somewhere based on what he's put out on film. But yeah, obviously, the start of the uh, the Deshaun Watson era is Sunday in Houston, of course, of all places. Um, late window, two really look good-looking games as far as I'm concerned. The 49ers and the Dolphins and then the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, so they're two crackers. A um, little bit surprised that they haven't flexed the Sunday night football, to be honest. Cowboys Colts probably haven't flexed it because it's the Cowboys, but it's certainly not exactly the most uh, appealing of matchups. And then Monday night football, Bucks and Saints in the, uh, the dog fight that is the <laughs> NFC South that nobody <laughs> seemingly wants to win. We'll be back next week to review all of that. Obviously, keep everything peeled to full 10 yards. You'll have all of the betting and the go for two boys later on in the week in terms of audio. And obviously keep your eyes and ears peeled to all of the different channels that we've got as part of the network this season. And we, like I say, we'll be back next Monday to review all of Week 13. Thanks for listening and we will see you then.